I do want to preach, though. I do want to bring a message because I, I, I need to. This message is needed and timely right now. And it's in 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to ask, guys, that um, as we turn there in our Bibles. Um, so uh, there was a change, Patrick. I know you're running slides this morning. There was a change uh, from my initial direction of the message, then I felt the Lord lead uh, in a different way, a different way to go this morning. And so the only slides that you'll have will be the first two slides, which are the actual scripture. You got that? Okay. So 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to look at the first six verses. The title of the message is Increase in Spiritual Discernment. And um, so we'll just read um, John's words. Uh, title in the heading is Testing the Spirits. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you will know the Spirit of God. He's saying this is, this is your equipment right here, guys. You want to know if you're going to jump out of an airplane, you want to make sure that your parachute is functioning and works. If you're going to go out into this world which is equally as dangerous, he said, this is how you will know the Spirit of God, your protection, your guide, your hope. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not from God. That, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and which is now already presently in the world. Go ahead and go to the next one. You little children. That's how John refers to us because he looks at us as his, his babies in Christ. You are from God. You are from God. Never forget that. And you've overcome them. Them who? Well, you've overcome the world. Jesus said that. Take heart because I've overcome the world and we are in him. Therefore, we are overcomers. We are victors. We are more than conquerors. He's told us that. But we've also overcome the spirit of the Antichrist, the demonic spirits in this world, and even the enemy. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. Amen? That verse right there preaches itself. He says, they are of the world, these evil spirits, those who reject and deny Christ. That's why they speak from the world's perspective. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. And who's John talking about? He's saying, we are the apostles that were led along by the Holy Spirit. God breathed out his word and used these men and women uh, to write the scriptures along. He is talking about apostolic authority. What an arrogant thing that would be to say if anyone were to stand up here and say, listen, you, if you know God, you listen to us. But he is speaking under the anointing and the authority of God Almighty. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. In other words, they don't listen to the word of God. That is how we know or how to discern between the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Those are those first six verses. Can I pray for us real quick? Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that every person in here is a believer, that they've confessed their sins before you, that they not only believe that you are uh, the son of the living God, but they also have placed their faith in you, that they follow you, that they surrender and submit to you, Lord God. It's one thing to say we believe something. It's another to actually put uh, our feet to action in this, Lord God, and to trust you and to follow you. And so I pray that we are all surrendered, following, saved by faith believers that are in here this morning. And God, if there is even one person who's not, that this morning, 
morning, uh, they would understand that there are, there's a battle for their soul. Every one of us are being battled over. If we could open our spiritual eyes and see as God sees, we would see demonic forces. We would see forces of light. We're not crazy in this, Lord God. Spirits exist. The demonic exists. The holy exists. God is for us. Satan is against us. God is with us. Satan is trying to pry us out of his hands at all times. God wants to lift us up and to edify us and build us up into a spiritual house. Satan wants to destroy us. He came only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so, Lord, there is this violent pulling that's going on in our hearts and our minds all the time, even for us as believers. How much more so for the lost world? Satan is a roaring lion. He's roaming around seeking those whom he may devour. But your eye goes to and fro throughout the earth looking for those who have humbled themselves and would follow you in obedience. And so this morning, God, we have a choice to make. Who do we follow? Who do we serve? Who do we believe? Who do we surrender to? Who is our God? And Lord, I pray that you are the answer, that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father that we have faith in your son and we've confessed and we believe and we follow. And Lord, if there's somebody in here today that's pulled and torn, maybe somebody right now, the lies of the enemy are just deceiving them so badly. There is fear in their hearts. They're afraid of, of the diagnosis. They're afraid of what's happening in their family. They don't see you working in their life right now or they've got a huge decision, Lord, before them. We pray that this morning that the Holy Spirit, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit would be the only spirit that has sway in this place. Lord, that all other spirits are cast out. Lord, that you would give us clear direction and discernment and help us to know what we're to do. And Lord, we ask that you would do that and meet with us now. And Lord, as we go out of this place, Lord, that we'd keep our eyes fixed and focused on you so that we don't go off the path. And we ask all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, guys. Um, you know, Barnum and Bailey's Circus, uh, years ago, uh, I kind of thought today, man, it's a, there's so much going on, sometimes it feels like a circus. When I got ordained uh, at First Baptist Church in Alma, um, there were two other men getting ordained that morning. Uh, one of them was a missionary, so they did a wedding service. Uh, my brother had come to visit. He was on leave, and he was sitting behind me. There was a wedding service. There were three guys ordained. There was a baptism where the preacher that was back there got confused and started saying uh, marital rights over the kid that was being baptized, and it was so weird. And uh, my brother tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, what's next? Are they going to roll a dead body out and do a funeral? And I was like, man, I don't know. So sometimes it feels like a circus in here. Um, and and I, I couldn't think of a better analogy. I guess that was just on my brain. But P.T. Barnum, Barnum and Bailey Circus, once said he had this, theory, or this theory that <clears throat> a sucker is born every minute, right? That's a, a, a carny still used that line, okay, by the way, if you go to a carnival or a fair. But he... Uh, he knew what he was talking about. He knew how to exploit those things. Listen, I'm not saying uh, P.T. Barnum was a bad guy, but I'm telling you, that's the same uh, theory and ideology that Satan uses still today. The, the internet has only, I mean, it wasn't, uh, weren't cell phones and social media meant to connect us, and how much more do they divide us now, man? Like, you could literally post that you voted for uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders or Steve Whitehead or somebody, for, and people would be like, I hate them, I hate you, we're no longer friends, okay? And it's just division, I know a lot of people, because I like you, Steve, that they said, no more, man. I don't want to be friends with you anymore. Anyway, 
sacrifice a lot for you, man. Uh, but it's crazy what the internet's done. It's basically lowered the threshold and widened the door for those who prey on the unsuspecting. In fact, just last week, Brian's uh, great-granddad's cousin from uh, Nigeria gave him $5 million through an email. And I'm so proud of that. Not really, okay? <laughs> Scams. Listen, if y'all were naive enough to believe that, you, you better watch out, okay? Satan is preying on the unsuspecting. Um, and more than just financial scams or spiritual scams, there are false cults, there are religions that lure millions into their trap. Uh, what they promise is this fulfillment and this happiness and so much more. And even a bunch of evangelicals, you've got to watch churches even today and be careful because there are so many who claim that we don't need to emphasize doctrine or theology. The, Bible, the Bible's good and nice, but... You know, you can listen to, you could go to churches in our area, I guarantee today, that scripture would never be read and the Bible would never be opened. And guys, that should be a red flag for you, okay? If you go into a Sunday school class and the Bible is never opened or uh, the Word of God is never mentioned or alluded to, if you go into uh, a teaching, if anything, pay attention because this is our foundation and this is our only authority. Without that, there's going to be some stuff that may sound nice and may be entertaining, but we need to pay attention to the real thing. And so there's a lot of evangelicals that say, man, we don't need doctrine. Uh, we're not going to focus on theology. We're not even going to talk about sin because it's so divisive. Instead, what we want to do is just come together in areas where we agree, we feel good, we demonstrate love and tolerance to the world, even if it means aligning ourselves with those who teach a different way of salvation, or maybe they even deny Christ. I mean, we're supposed to be love, right? And we've got to be careful with that. Yes, we're supposed to be love, but you cannot divorce love from truth. If you do, you miss the whole point of sharing the gospel and fulfilling the Great Commission. It is truth in love, and they are both important. And so John tells us these words, and in light of all of the deceptions that are out in the world today, uh, John is telling us that uh, we need to preserve God's truth in our lives. You know, when I was in seminary, uh, one of my pastors, uh, one of the preachers or teachers there who was also a pastor said, I went up to him afterwards and we were going through the prison epistles and I was like, man, this is good. I feel like I'm drinking out of a fire hose trying to get all this stuff down. And he says, get all you can and can all you get, you know? And I was like, that's good. Um, and then later on, we can open up those jars of preserves and eat from them, but take what you can, preserve the truth and the word of God in your life. Um, and, and here's what is going on. In John, 1 John 3, 23, you, you can turn there if you want to, but I'll just tell you. He has just told us that God's commandment is that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. That was, that was just, Brother Ben preached that, right? Now, in verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 1, he's telling us not to believe everything we hear. Here's what he says. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Uh, Ray Stedman, I don't know if you guys know Ray Stedman or like Ray Stedman, but he, he has an expository commentary uh, in First John, and this is what he says. It's significant 
that this warning from John comes in the midst of John's discourse about love. He's saying, it's funny that he brings this up because he's right in the middle of just talking about love. He says, but false spirits tend to make a great deal about the subject of love. Every cult, every deviant group, every false movement makes its appeal in the name of love. You know, Satan does that too. Satan isn't a beastly monster. I mean, when, when there's a demonic force or a temptation or a, a demonic spirit or whatever, listen guys, if it was beast, if it was hideous and horrible and smelled and looked and all these things bad, there would be no attraction towards that. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And the disguises that he puts with the hooks in them are often things that appeal to us. And we have to be careful. You know, I want to be the, uh, the 300 pound catfish that's seen every hook and every bait and every attempt from those fishermen up above. And I'm like, I recognize that ain't real. You know, I'm not biting that. Um, and I am the 300 pound catfish, you know? <laughs> so it works. <clears throat> um, and just like uh, Paul, John does, Paul did the same thing. Paul emphasized this demonic aspect of false teachers. I want to read to you 1 Timothy 4.1. Paul says, But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith. They will pay attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Do you think that's happening today? Uh-huh. It is. Those deceitful spirits and their demonic doctrines teach through people. And so there are false teachers that are out there. And these people advocate that false teaching. And so we have to pay close attention to John's words. And he's specifically saying that believers must be discerning in spiritual matters. You have to know. You, you, you not only have to know, but then you have to choose. And that's the most difficult part for a lot of us. That's bad, that's good. You can recognize that. That's great. A kid can, you know? It's like, okay, uh, that's a candy bar, and that's a pile of dog poo. All right? A kid can see that. You know what? It doesn't mean they're not going to run through it and then run right into your house because they do that. But it, they, they know. Now, here's the choice you have, and that's the difficult thing. Which are you going to choose? You can recognize, but which do you choose? And you choose the good. You choose that which is holy, that which is representative of Christ, that which will build you up and grow you closer to Christ. It even is the same way in dating. Man, you can go through a dating life, your dating life. You may be single or um, maybe you're, you're looking for a mate and any walk of life. If that person doesn't push you closer to Christ, if they don't draw you closer to the Lord, if there's no spiritual insight and you're a believer, you need to stay away from that person. That's not a good thing for your life. Instead, look for those, even in friendships, even in work relationships, that there is something there. And a lot of times I'll say this, that if that doesn't exist, it doesn't mean just leave or divorce or quit your job or anything else. Be that person. And you never know what moth gets attracted to light, what other believers might be around you that come into that. And so pay attention. There are three parts to this text, and I'm going to literally run through them. The text falls into three parts. In verse 1, okay, this is number 1, verse 1. John gives the reason we need discernment. Number two, in verses two and three, he gives the basis for discernment. So number one, reason for discernment, verse one. Number two, basis for discernment, verses two and three. 
And number three, the evidence of discernment. And that's verses four, five, and six. You're going to have to study this if you're interested in this and you want to learn and grow off of it. You're going to have to study this for yourself because I don't have the time to delve into it. But I'm sure that you've heard the worldly refrain, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe in something. Satan loves to use that one. Or don't worry about obeying God. You can do that at another time later in life. He likes to use that one too. Um, and we know that those things are nonsense. You can believe that you can fly. Brian, you want to test this for us? You can go to the top of this building. It's not that high up. Uh, you can go to the top of this building. You can believe with all your heart. You can be so zealous about your ability to fly. And you can jump off. And man, you can flap your arms as much as you want to. But you know what's going to follow? A thud. It doesn't matter how desperately or bravely or passionately you believe in something. If it's not true, there's nothing to it. And what's sad is that most of the world believes, the majority of this world believes in that which is not true. Um, there are so many that believe in this thing called moral relativism. They would say, there is no absolute truth. I mean, we've got a whole generation coming up that says, there's no absolute truth. God's word isn't true. Like, what's true is what morally applies to each one of us. And it's this that if it's good for Teresa, even if it goes against God's word and God's standards, but it's good for her, man, that's her truth. Live your truth, girl. Be careful. The Bible studies you read, too. Wash your face, girl. Or if you come over here and you say, hey, man, Philip, man, Philip's truth is this. I mean, he, he, he don't believe in, uh, you know, this thing, but that's his deal, man. I got to let Philip do him, man. I do me, you do you. Man, Satan loves that. But we can't escape the fact that there is absolute truth. Man, nobody would argue that Newton's law of gravity exists. You know, uh, I almost threw that microphone, Mickey. Uh, here. Gravity just proved itself, right? Nobody who is a child of God, who has studied the scripture, who is filled with the Holy Spirit, can deny that the absolute universal truth exists, that God is sovereign, and that his truth applies to all. That one day, all of us are going to die, and that we will stand before the Lord. We have to accept these truths. I mean, man, like that's what the world doesn't want to because they don't want to be held to standards. They don't want, I didn't want to. You know, I, I told somebody the other day, I said, man, I wish I was as smart as I thought I was when I was 16 years old. Uh, period. Y'all know what I'm talking about because all of y'all were like that. <laughs> Moral relativism is a lie. You can't tell people it works for you, then it's true. We have to do what God says. And that's the difficult part in getting people convicted by the Spirit and humble enough to fall underneath the law of the Lord. From the moment that Satan deceived Eve in the garden until the last days when the final Antichrist is going to deceive the world, evil spirits have been about. They're in the world today. John tells us they've been here. They will be here. It's going to go from bad to worse with them because you give them an inch and they take a yard. Evil is a reality in our world. But here's the thing. 
These evil spirits aren't just happy letting things be bad. They're promoting false teaching. They're leading more and more people away from the one true living God. And so John says it. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. A lot of them use Christian lingo. They profess to believe in Jesus. Uh, a lot of them probably have very charismatic, attractive personalities and convincing arguments. In Matthew seven fifteen, Jesus called them wolves in sheep's clothing. Watch out for those folks. Paul warned that these men disguised themselves as apostles of Christ and servants of righteousness. And we said this earlier from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, that even Satan uh, poses as an angel of light, not darkness. And so John tells the flock, and this is the, the reason for discernment, you don't believe every spirit, but you test them. You know why you do that? Because it's the same thing Paul said in 1 Thessalonians. Don't despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. Listen, um, what is it? Uh, I, what did I give my boy the other day? Uh, I told him to taste this, and he didn't like it. But you know what? Most of the time you're not going to know if you like it or not unless you've tasted it. What the Lord says is taste and see that I am good. And it's not anything that you're going to pucker at or, or spit out. I mean, when you taste and truly see that the Lord is good, there is a difference. You are drawn to that. You crave it. Just like you would, I guess, with Brian and sweet potatoes with cinnamon and everything else, you know. Um, true faith is not a blind leap into darkness. And we're examining this Christ in his word. And... We examine it carefully before we put our trust in it. The second thing, well, the first thing is just that. The reason for discernment is that you and I need spiritual discernment because Satan and demonic forces are alive and well in our world today. They're promoting error every chance they get. And so we have to be aware of that. That's recognizing bad from good, okay? The next thing that we have to do is our basis for discernment. Discernment is based on the confession concerning Jesus. Listen, if you have somebody in your life that calls himself a Christian, but they cannot confess that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, that person is not a Christian. That's the outward test. The inward test, the litmus test, is that is there any fruit in their lives? I'm going to tell you guys, because I love you, if there is zero fruit for Christ in your life, if you aren't spending time with the Lord, walking with the Lord, praying, reading God's word, you could very well be a Christian that's just in a very deeply backslidden state. But the proof is in the proverbial pudding. If we call ourselves Christians, if I call myself a Christian, but I don't do anything for Christ, I'm not motivated by Christ, I don't love Christ, I don't love God's people, I don't do any of the things that God's word says I'm supposed to do, I have to ask myself, am I really a Christian? Because there are people in churches all across the country and the world that are deceiving themselves because that's what they want. They want to be known as, they want to be seen, they want to be welcomed into a fellowship, but there's nothing there. And so the basis for discernment is just that, that we confess Christ. To deny that Jesus is the true God is to deny the Christian faith. We know that, but we are doing more than that. Faith in Christ saves sinners. And that's the only means of salvation. But once you're saved, it's more than, man, I got a cool plaque on my door. Now I'm a Christian. It's doing what Christians do. And a lot of times, that's the, that's the awful, difficult struggle in the trenches work 
that Christians are called to do. And a lot of times, people aren't going to see it. You know, I don't want to be in the spotlight. I, I would prefer not to be on top of a stage standing in front of all of you people. I would prefer to be doing this in smaller groups with individuals. But I'm doing this, and I don't want to draw attention to myself. I never, ever do. But here's the thing. Most of the time, people think, oh, it's so glamorous being a pastor. Oh, it is so glamorous to be a deacon. Is it, Terry? Isn't it glamorous work? Man, it's glamorous to be a plumber, isn't it? You get to see some things. But I'm telling you what, the glamour comes in the fact that you're giving God glory with your life. I know guys like Terry Littrell who work and serve and do and get underneath places that other people won't touch. And we should know more Christians that will work and serve and do and get in places that other people won't touch. And then glamour, who cares about? It's glory that we're giving back to the Lord. And did you know this? 1 Samuel 2.31 says something that you should know. Those who honor God, he honors. If you want God to honor your life, honor him with yours. Show him respect. Give him praise and adoration. And then it works in reverse. <clears throat> the third thing is just the evidence of discernment. Discernment is evidenced in how we respond to godly teaching, basically to the Word. The Spirit of God protects us through God's Word. God's Word reveals the truth about the work and the person of Jesus. The Word is the measure by which we test the spirits. Calvin, I'm not a Calvinist, but I, I, John Calvin had some godly insight Listen to what John Calvin says. Don't, don't wrinkle your nose up and say, man, you're quoting John Calvin. Don't do that. Listen to this. He said, except the spirit of wisdom be present. Except the spirit of wisdom be present in your life. To have God's word in our hands will avail little or nothing. So to have it, to read it, you know, I got a 1967 King James New Schofield Reference Edition Bible. You know why I got that? Amen, right? I'm preaching the Word of God. I got it because that's what he uses, and I respect him. But I'm telling you what, you take your copy of this Word, and you hold it in your hands. And if, if that's all you do with it, if it stays up here, you're going to miss discerning the spirits that are in this world. You might recognize them, but how you choose is when this gets down into here. Because you can see things. That's good. That's bad. That tastes right. That tastes poor. You know, that's evil. That's good. That's sin. That's holy. You can recognize things from a mental level because you've put the word up into here. But the choice that affects obedience is made in the heart. And it says... I will not do those things. And it may be because um, you know that, uh, how harmful it is. You know, um, there are so many people, my dad was one of those people that said, I grew up and my dad was an alcoholic and he beat my mom and he beat me. He said he didn't hit my sister very much, but he said, I'm never touching alcohol. And he hasn't. That may be your reasoning for obedience. Maybe. And that's fine if it is. <clears throat> but the motivation to do something out of a heart of love for God is the strongest, longest-lasting motivation that you'll ever have. 
I'm doing this because God so loved me, and I love God, and I want my very best to be given to him. I want to worship him and honor him and give him glory. I want the end of my days that uh, not just people come around my, my casket or my urn or wherever I'm at and say, man, he was a good guy. I want God to be pleased with my life because ultimately in the very end, it's only what God says about you that matters. And so guys, we have to discern spirits now because the choices that we're making today are affecting eternal consequences. They're also affecting the eternal consequences and the spiritual lives of our kids and our parents and our cousins and our spouses and everyone around us. We make these decisions based on the fact that we know Jesus Christ is God Almighty, that there is evil in this world, and that we need to pursue one or the other. And God gives us the choice to make it. John's, this is where we end. John's claim, whoever knows God listens to us. I said this earlier, but it would be the height of arrogance if John were speaking as an individual. You ever hear a pastor or preacher or an evangelist or whomever say, I know what is right. Follow me and listen to me and don't go anywhere else or they'll lie to you. Be careful, all right? But the apostles, just like we, but the apostles were people just like us. But here's the difference about them. The apostles were entrusted by God through the Holy Spirit with a special authority to lay the foundation of the church through their witness and through their teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the apostolic teaching preserved for us in the New Testament. And so the standard to which uh, we can judge anyone's, including our own, and people are like, well, you can't judge. You better judge. Man, are you dumb? Like, you're just going to let anybody come in. I'm not going to judge them just because they're using the Koran in my Sunday school class to teach me. You better be judging that. I'm not going to judge them just because, uh, you know, they're, 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 we know openly and they've talked about it that they're cheating on their spouse, but they're a good person, so we're going to let them continue to be our Sunday school. You better be judging that. Don't be an idiot about this stuff, okay? That's the bottom line of it. We have to know the Word of God. We can't permissively allow or look the other way for sin to come into our midst because a little sin leavens the whole loaf. And that's what John, I believe, with all my heart is preaching here. You guys better pay attention to and choose the right thing. Stand up, have a spine, and say, what's wrong is not going to be permitted in my life. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And what's right is what we're going to pursue. Will you always pursue it perfectly? Heck no, you won't. But your aim, your walk, your march, sometimes your trudge should be towards that direction. Don't allow every spirit. Because why? Guys, we have this whole truth in us, that he who is in us is greater than he's who in this, he who is in this world. We have a power and a victory, and we don't have to fall down or lower standards or mix in with the world. God's trying to rise us up to be his witnesses, so let's live that way. May I pray for us? Sorry for yelling if I scared anybody, okay? I still am a, a nice person, okay? Believe that. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and we praise you. Lord, I pray for every believer in this place, every brother and sister. Man, Lord, help us to look at our own lives and examine our own lives and see uh, if there's evil in our lives, if there's stuff that we're doing wrong, if there's stuff we're just sweeping under the rug. Lord, I pray today that we would stop because pride, which is what leads us to those things and trying to hide them, always leads to a fall. Lord, our littles are coming back in uh, to the sanctuary here in just a second, and uh, we get to witness baptism. Um, we're going to end service with baptism. We're going to partake in the Lord's Supper, Lord. 
Um, we get to do these things solely because of Jesus. Our two church ordinances, Lord, we celebrate them in the fact that a young lady, what a testimony it is, by the way, that she has the faith of a child. I pray that it opens up some of our old creaky hearts, Lord God, that you'd apply spiritual oil to our lives and um, that you'd help us, Lord God, to be refreshed this morning. I pray as we take the Lord's Supper that we celebrate what Jesus did for us as we look forward to the day that we get to take it with him in person, that we remember what Jesus did for us and it motivates us to keep going the right way, and that we look around and we see fellowship amongst believers and how powerful it is that we get to take this with other believers that we have a team, that we have an army of believers around us at all times. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Today, Lord God, even as we leave this place, Satan will try to attack us. Help us to recognize when something's coming from Satan and when it's coming from you. When a voice that seems so enchanting is coming from Satan or if it's your word. Help us to be in the word and to know the word and to desire the word like an infant desires spiritual milk. Help us to understand, Lord, that there's a difference in right and wrong. And that as Christians, we're called to live the right. We don't put everybody down and judge everybody because they're doing wrong. I'm not talking about being a judgmental Christian. I'm just saying we have to spot it. And if we say we don't, we're, we're deceiving ourselves. If we can't see truth from error, that something's wrong, Lord God. And I pray that you would bring revelatory light to us and show us what's right. But at the same time, Lord, you tell us to love. Love the sinner, hate the sin. We know that. You loved us in spite of our sin, but you also cleansed us of our sin. And that cleansing required a sacrifice of your only begotten son, Jesus. It costs a lot to turn away from the world and from error and from sin to follow Jesus. And I pray that commitment and that sacrifice is showing in our lives. The people say, you're not just a Sunday Christian or you're not just a priest or you show up to Christmas and Easter services, but they see a dedicated disciple of Jesus. And Lord, in the moments when we fail and we fail and we fall short every day, I do and I know all of us do, Lord, but that we would quickly repent, that we would confess our sin, that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness and restore us, Lord God. Help us to be lights in this awfully dark world, Father. Help us to also recognize the light from the darkness and to walk in the light as much as we can. God bless us. Thank you for your grace. Man, you pour over us. Every time we mess up, every time we screw up, every time we go astray, you're right there to correct us and pick us back up and help us go the right direction. Thank you for your love. Man, we wouldn't be anything, Lord God, without the love of Jesus. We praise you today, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.